Coming up, I'm going to tell you, teach you, show you how to recover fast from a bad day. And then, have you already achieved the American dream? We'll break into some new data and we coach somebody up. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in the rest of your life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, so there's a little song I, I uh, that I was listening to the other day because I, I was doing a little research on this, uh, Bad Days. And uh, it's a little it's song, a little uh, fun little melody. Uh, so you had a bad day, something like that. I was off key a little bit there towards the end. And... Uh, and and so I started looking at all this stuff, and I went, you know what? Um, we have bad days. I have bad days. You have bad days. And if you're not careful, a bad day can turn into a bad week, a bad month, and a bad year. And dare I say, a bad life? Is it possible that a bad day could lead to a bad life? I think it's absolutely true. I think if you see stories all the time of people who who had a bad day and it rocked their world. I mean, rocked their world and they never recovered. So I think this is really important. So I want you to be confident in your ability to overcome a bad day. So I'm going to give you a very, very practical way to overcome a bad day. And this is going to be huge for your personal growth. According to a 2018 study, Americans have about 60 bad days a year. 60. They got 365 days in a year. And 60 of them are bad. Now, some of you have your own <laughs> data points, I'm sure. I can just hear people right now going, 60 bad days? I have 360 out of the 365. I don't know what your situation is. But the point is, we have bad days. And the faster that you get at recovering or turning around a bad day, the healthier, more productive that you're going to be for yourself, your family, your team, and let's talk about this, your future. Now, I want you to think about a professional athlete just for a second. I've tried to teach my kids as they've played sports, and they'll have a bad game or a bad moment in a game. I try to teach them all the time about some of the best athletes in the world having really bad games. And you hear commentators or our coaches, sports psychologists talk about this, the idea of, Next play. And so we could take this concept where they say, you know, look, you made a bad play there, but guess what? The game is not over. We need you in the game. It's next play. So I want this to be next day. So you have a bad day, and I want you to go, all right, look, I got a day tomorrow. Lord willing, I got tomorrow. I'm going to focus on the next day. So I want to give you an easy little process here. Three steps for recovering from a bad day so that it doesn't rob you of your joy and productivity and ruin the rest of your week, month, year, or maybe even your life. So first step, you've had a bad day. Let's take ourselves emotionally there, can we? Will you join me for a moment? I want you to think of the last day you had that was, I mean, it was a you-know-what day. It was a bad day. First thing is reject the temptation to escape. Uh, listen, I have done this a lot. And and can I just tell you, uh, being very transparent here, these three action items, I spent some time really thinking through what is the right response for me when I have a bad day. And so I've done this before. Reject 
the escapism. So decide to acknowledge the bad day. See, if we if we begin to use escaping for bad days, then we become apathetic. We we don't even care to dive into the what, the why, the who, the how of the bad day. And let me just say that you having a bad day and you going home or you going to the bar and drinking the day away, can I just tell you something? That's escapism. You're not acknowledging anything. You're not diving into the uncomfortableness and learn from the day. So the first step is don't escape the bad day. Don't try to escape it. That leads to step two. You got to find perspective. You have to, instead of escaping, you have to sit in it long enough to get some perspective on this day. Remember, we don't want a bad moment or a few bad moments that make a bad date to turn into a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad life. And the only way that can happen for that bad day to really soak the rest of your life, the rest of your year, the rest of your month, the rest of your week, is if we don't learn from it and we just try to escape it and we never get through it, get over it. So here's a little question that I ask on a bad day. How much control did I have over the things that made this a bad day? It's That's the only question you need to ask. To truly reflect and settle into a bad day, you got to go, how much control did I have into the circumstances, the things that happened that made this a bad day? Did If you had some control, then you go, okay, what could I do differently in the future to avoid this? So I went back, Alex, he's never heard this. He didn't know I was going to share this. I'm going to went back to one of the worst days of my life. I'm not exaggerating. So uh, I'm 17 years of age, and I'm driving what I would call a turd on wheels. It was a 1982 Mazda 626 Joe, with over 300,000 miles on it, it was on its second engine. In other words, my dad was just, he didn't make a lot of money. And I, and I was a senior in high school. In fact, it was, I'm sorry, it was the summer of my senior year. So I'm a rising senior in high school. And we lived in a place uh, out in the country a little bit. And the city that we would have to go and frequent to was over, uh, over the James River in Virginia. So this is the Newport News area. And it was a five-mile-long bridge, and it had a big drawbridge in the middle. And so understand, five miles, is that's significant. And once you started on that bridge, there was no turning around. There was no area to turn around. And I will tell you, anybody who's ever driven over the James River Bridge, there's a little bit of anxiety. Because if your car breaks down on that bridge, it's bad. Now, I want to take you back. It's the summer of 1991. We didn't have cell phones. So once you're on that bridge, guess what? If something goes wrong, you got to sit there and wait for somebody and the guys up in the tower to see you because they're up in a big, tall tower. They're looking over that five mile. That's the only way. And you, and then they hopefully they rescue you. The cops come, or the guy with the big giant blinking arrow on the back of his truck. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so that's the scene. 
this whole car was such a piece of crap, it leaked oil like crazy. And my dad said, son, you have to check the oil on this car every week. If you don't check the oil on the car and it runs out of oil, it will blow the engine up. It will throw a rod is the way he said it. Okay? And I'm 17. I have ADHD. Life is great. Life is full. I have more important things to do to check the oil. So you know what happened. I'm a mile in. The worst sound I've ever heard in my life in a car, and that's my best way of doing it. But it was literally like the engine was throwing the rod around. I still to this day don't know what the rod is, but the engine blew up. It had no oil in it. And I want you to understand that I was on my way to a job interview for that summer. There's no cell phone. I can't call the guy and go, hey, my car just blew up on the bridge. Can I do the interview later today? I'm a no-show. This is my job for the summer. That stressed me out. I'm on a bridge where people are going 70 miles an hour, and I'm just pulled over. And, folks, there is not a full median, if you will. There's not a full thing. I'm on the side right there. And I'm freaking out. Someone's going to kill me. You ready for this? On top of that, my emergency flashers didn't work. So I got to get 100 yards up in front of the car in case somebody hits it. I think I'm not going to die. And then to add insult to all of everything that was going wrong, I realized my dad warned me not to do this, and I've done this, and I've cost my dad money, and this is going to be awful. Here's the point. It was one of the worst days of my life. I'm not going to tell you everything that happened. I got in trouble. My dad was mad. I didn't get the job. It was a bad day. But if I ask the question, how much of that day was my fault, guess what? All of it. Because if I put oil on the car, it doesn't blow up on the bridge. So there's a story. So that's the idea. The perspective piece. It was my fault. Now, there are some times where it's not your fault. And so I don't know what that is, but you could have a really bad day where you ask that question, how much control did I have over the bad day? And you could say, not much at all. I was mistreated or this happened or this happened. So here's the deal. You have to then say, all right, this much was in my control or very little was in my control. And that leads to the third step. So I have now not escaped. I dove in and I figured out either I had a lot of control over what happened or I didn't because here's the deal. If I have a lot of control over it, I can learn from it and not do that again. I'm not going to repeat that bad day. Guess what, Joe? That bad day's never happened again. I learned. But if it's a bad day that you had little to control over, just go, hey, I didn't, not much I can learn here. That's not on me. It's just a bad day. Now, step three, end the day well. This is simple. Figure out the best possible way to end the day. After we've, after, listen, after we've reflected, after we've learned what we can learn, now let's just end it well, shall we? And by the way, this is not escaping. This is be with good people, listen to good music, watch a good show, eat some good food, and have a really good drink. And end it with gratitude. You know? Could have been worse, Alex. It could have been. I think there's a lot of people out there that had a way crappier day than I did. And that is the simple solution. Bad days are going to come. Don't let them throw you off the course. Because there's still a unique role that you have to fill. And part of moving forward means moving through bad days. I hope that helps you in 2024. Thank you.
Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Have you achieved the American dream already? How much of the American dream have you achieved? What does a American dream realized look like? This is pretty fascinating. Uh, in my hand, I've got an interesting article from Money Talk News, and uh, they are reporting the findings of a study done by GoDaddy. And it's important to understand who the study is done with. This is a thousand small business owners. So not your rank-and-file worker. These people are entrepreneurial. They are running small businesses. And so GoDaddy uh, went to them, and they basically said, um, what would you say the definition of the American dream is? Or in other words, describe what reaching or achieving the American dream looks like. So this is pretty interesting stuff. And uh, so I want to go through these. There's eight, eight milestones. Eight achievements as defined by small business owners in America. If you've achieved these eight things, any one of these eight, by the way, not all eight, just across the board, these are the most popular eight answers. You understand what I'm saying? So eight answers, and they and it's not all eight, but it's just that these were the top eight. And they said, if you've done this, achieved this, you have achieved the American dream. So here we go. Number eight was having equal rights and access to opportunities. More than a quarter of entrepreneurs, it was actually 26% of entrepreneurs believe that simply having the ability to access opportunities means they have achieved the American dream. How fascinating is that? I don't think that squares with TikTok. Can I tell you that uh, this article does not provide the demographics but I'll bet you the 26% that said simply having the ability to access opportunities to start a business and grow a business, meaning I can get what I need to start a business. That has to be a heavy immigrant attitude because I don't think the American attitude is that. Thank God immigrants made America great. Americans didn't make America great. The whole nation's an immigrant nation. It's pretty fascinating. I don't think you see this on social media. I think I see a lot of whining and sniveling, complaining, hand-wringing, pearl-clutching. 
these people are going to look. The American dream means I have a shot. That's pretty amazing. But important to point out, it's the smallest percentage of people saying that is the American dream. Just having a shot. Just being here. All right, number seven, being able to pay off your debts. Obviously, sinking further and further and further into debt ends up strapping all of your freedom because you're simply working just to keep your nose above the water. If you're new to this show and you're going, that is me, the baby steps that we offer at Ramsey Solutions, RamseySolutions.com, total money makeover, financial peace, uh, these are great resources to help you see a very clear Simple path. That's hard work, but we'll get you out of debt. Number six, having assets to leave your children. This is about legacy. This is about provision, not just for yourself, but they're saying, you know what? If I can leave something behind and make my kid's life better, I have achieved the American dream. Number five, being your own boss. Freedom to do it your way. I did it my way. I mean, people love that song, all right? It's it, it, it speaks to the, the soul of every human being. You know? I mean, that's an anthem. That's why people love that song. It's a great melody. But, man, every one of us wants to be an individual. By the way, that was on, that was on key, I want to point out. In a fake voice, nonetheless, but, but uh, still made it on key. Uh, the guys never know what I'm going to do. But being your own boss is... You know why everybody wants to work for themselves? By the way, the numbers are in the 70s. 70% of Americans want to work for themselves, but the numbers are way, way, way low. Below 10% of people actually do work for themselves. But this all comes down to freedom. Number four, owning your own home. This makes a lot of sense. 45% said, if I own my own home, I have essentially achieved the American dream. Pretty interesting that, that it's that high just to own a home. But again, my domicile, my place for my people, right? And, and and again, that's uh, heavy tones of what we've seen earlier on the list. Provision, freedom, that's really huge. Number three, freedom to pursue your own interests. 49%. I want the time, I want the freedom to pursue my own interests. Now, this begins to get personal. This isn't just professional. In the actual survey, it was to pursue passion. So, again, you know what we call passion is simply doing something you love. It's pretty simple. Nobody's going to argue with that. So there's a lot of personal freedom here. Hey, you know what? Uh, I like giving back to the elderly, or I like going on hikes, and I like collecting this. There's a lot of just personal interest there. Number three, freedom. Uh, excuse me, that was number three. Number two, feeling a sense of happiness. Feeling happy. Contentment. That's all this is. I'm content. I've got a good life. I'm grateful. And then number one, living a comfortable lifestyle. Margin. Margin to do what I want. Pretty much when I want. I gotta be patient sometimes. I gotta plan for some stuff, but I can do it. If I set a goal, I can go do this. So you see a huge theme in what it means to achieve the American dream. Can I tell you what it is? Freedom. The American dream is and always will be about 
freedom for someone to choose to live and work how they want to live and how they want to work. So I kind of I can tell you this. The American dream is alive and well. And you can do it. You can go get it for yourself. And I want to help you. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, if it's helping you, equipping you, encouraging you, in any way, will you help us by spreading the word? Hey, you need to listen to this. You are a huge part of our ability to get the word out. If you're watching on YouTube, you can do that by liking the video you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and sharing. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, you can support us by giving us a follow, a five-star review, and sharing. All right, let's go to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Kristen is on the line. Kristen, how can I help? Hi, hi Ken. Um, so nice to talk to you. A big, big fan of your show. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Thank you so much. Yeah. How can I help today? What's going um, on? Yeah. So okay, I, I, I love Christmas, and I am a, always have loved Christmas. But it, the last um, three, four years in a row, I've had like kind of a a lot of bad luck around Christmas time and it's, well, it's causing me to have a, you know, question my life choices here. So, um, so a quick story. I, I lost my, you know, my parents right around Christmas time. My mom most recently. Oh no. Um, yeah, just kind of, you know, young, both unexpected, just heart attacks and you know, it is what it is, but, uh, it makes this time, you know, like for many others hard. Sure. Um, and so then last year I had a I had a, a position as a, um, a teacher with small groups, um, teaching and reading, that I, I truly loved. I actually had the, the job for about 15 years. Um, but due to taking way too many sick days because I was grieving my mom, we were really close. Um, anyway, I lost the position of, um, right around Christmas time last year. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, was this around the same time as your mother passing, or is this a different Christmas? This was last Christmas. So my mother passed, and then I lost my job. Oh, all in the same year. Oh, yeah. It was a double whammy. How far apart Um, were the two? Your mom passing, and then you uh, losing Yeah, yeah, my mom passed in February, and um, then I lost my job right around Christmas. Okay, gotcha. um, Okay. Yeah. Okay. What what was the reason for losing your job? Did they give you one? uh, Honestly, it was too many sick days. And not a, you know, I should have, looking back, I should have taken like a leave of absence just to um, deal with things. And, uh, you know, I took too many days just to go see a grief counselor and and whatnot like that. Okay. Okay. Um, So then, yeah, so then I jumped back into the the classroom. I'd been working with small groups and I jumped into a classroom in a a small district. I was working in a, a larger district before and I tell you, that was that was a wake up call. Um, these, I, I'm kind of a more of a, a quieter person and, you know, I love working with kids. That's, that is a passion of mine. But when you have 18, 19 first graders that are throwing chairs and, you know, biting people, and <laughs> ripping down bolts and boards. And I tell you, there wasn't a lot of support at this place. And, um, mm. it just came to the point where it was too much. Um, so just, Last Monday, they just said, you know, you obviously you can't handle these behaviors. 
um, we'd like you to resign. And it was devastating. I'm like, here we go again. So two years in a row in December, you've lost your job. <sighs> yes, yes, it's yeah. lovely. And no, and I have small, you know, I have family and bills to pay and Christmas presents are not looking good. And it, it, mm. it honestly really sucks. <laughs> I know, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot going on. How can I best help yeah. you today? Like, what's that thing that I can dive into to, to, to try to encourage and equip you to move forward? What, 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 what can I help with? Um, just, I know you're super good at, like, motivating people to figure out what they want to do. And honestly, I, I know for sure I cannot go back to a classroom teaching job. Yeah. Um, I need to find something I can do with my degrees and my abilities. Um, mm. What are you best at? What are you What are you best at doing? Like, let's just say you and I are hanging out in the kitchen. I've got your husband, family, friends, <laughs> parent. I mean, uh, not your parents. I'm sorry, uh, but we've got everybody okay. sitting around you that know you. And yeah. I go, hey, um, what is Kristen really good at doing? And what are they going to say? Um, <laughs> uh, pro- you know, probably say like <laughs> having fun with. Not half, but like I love teaching kids, like in small groups, and I I also have horses, so I love being with my horses and riding and teaching people about horses. And all right, now we're getting somewhere because you've kind of flip flop back and forth between what you love to do. And I wanted to know what people would say. Kristen oh, is most say? talented at doing. So would they say she's really good at instructing people and te- teaching no. people? What would they say? <laughs> they would go. Kristen's really good at. What would they say? Oh gosh, I don't know. I yeah, mean, they probably do. say at connecting with little kids and um, you know taking care of her animals and bringing smiles to faces of you know. I, when I do, I don't know. Honestly, I'd have yeah, to you ask do. Them. <laughs> no, you do. You do know. So, so the issue is, you do love working with little kids. Uh, you do have a, a natural instructor in you. But the environment you've been in the past is not a good environment. It's either not the right environment or you are also have not, you haven't been maybe in the best frame of mind to be able to handle that environment. And and I don't have the tools, but yeah, the tools. What do you mean by the tools? Uh, So, for example, if a child is throwing chairs, I don't know how to, I, I can, you know, try to calm them down, but I don't know how to like, that's a my kids at home don't do that, so I don't know what to do. That's like a, a realm of behavior that I don't know how to handle. Well, you may not. So. That's fair. I think that's fair. But I think mm-hmm. you could learn how to handle it because your kids don't do that at your house for a reason. Well, why do your mm-hmm. kids not throw chairs at each other at your house? They're too busy having fun. I don't know. There's nothing to get so mad about. <laughs> Right, but then you're um, in a but you're in a public school house. environment. What are kids? How is it getting out of control that quickly? Are the kids just coming in angry and and just starting yeah, stuff? Yeah, they want atten- attention. You know, there's too many kids, not attention at home, and if Bingo. I throw chairs, they'll get attention. Bingo. Yeah. So, we have to figure out. I've got two options here: either I start instructing and caring for. Because what you enjoy doing with kids, I would suggest to you, you would enjoy doing with adults. Yeah. So I yeah. think one option is I'm going to go instruct, teach, guide, encourage, mentor, whatever, people who actually want to be there and who aren't going to have behavioral yeah. issues. That's one option. Or mm-hmm. the other option is is 
I work on myself a little bit and I get to the point where I go, you know what? I'm a mom. I'm a good mom. I'm actually mm-hmm. a productive adult. <laughs> and I, I actually okay. understand why the kid is coming in acting that way. Yeah. And so if yeah. I work on some things, learn some things from maybe some teachers who know how to handle that stuff, and what do they do in those moments? How do they calm that kid down? What are the options that are afforded other teachers when other kids do that? Yeah. As opposed to you just shutting down. Because I'm I'm taking a little bit of liberty here. Tell me if I'm wrong. But my guess is when that has happened in the past, you just shut down. I do. I get the class out of the room for safety and call someone for help. <laughs> yeah, I don't but know. is that part but of the yeah. protocol? Yes, it is. But it's, I should have... Yeah, but you there's know, something else. Could... There's something else then. If that's protocol and you're doing the protocol, then you've done it the way they told you to do it. But they didn't let you go because you did the protocol. They let you go because of something else, right? So you're clearly not. Yeah. What is it that, that it you was, weren't doing? Well, it's like the minor daily classroom management, like kids calling out whenever they want to, you know. You know why? Because um, you don't have control of the classroom. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I don't like, I'm not a controlling person. I want to I just, get it. I get it. Learn and have fun and like. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But yeah. what I'm trying to present you with is you have a couple of options. Yeah. You just go. You know what? That environment is not right for me. And not only is that environment not right for me, it's not a natural fit for me. I'm not interested in doing what it takes to become equipped to then be able to handle that. Yeah. Yeah, what you said was perfect. It's not a natural fit, honestly. Great. I keep trying to push my personality to Great. be that. And All I, right. So I think we walk away. So I, yeah. So I think the signs. I think the signs have been made very clear. That's not the right environment for me. So now, instead of sitting around going, "Well, I've, I'm a teacher and I'm good at this and I love this," trying to figure out something crazy new, it's like, no, you need to go instruct and teach and guide and encourage people yeah. who actually want to show up. You can do that in a lot of ways. Right. So for yes. yeah, and you've got a teaching degree, yes. A teaching degree, a master's in reading, teaching, and another master's in environmental stuff. So okay, great. So I, I'm ready to go. <laughs> right. So what's the master's in environmental? What What does that mean? Master's in environmental. Um, environmental science. So I I could teach classes in you know science and nature and. Um, Can I just say reality. I think you should look at the community college level. I'm I'm ideating yeah, yeah. right now. Okay, well, this is yeah. brainstorming. I, if I were yeah, you, no, I, I'd be looking at the community college level. I would be looking mm-hmm. at a, courses for adults. You know, what does the Green Bay area or wherever you live, what are the, are there courses yeah. for people that are immigrants that are coming in and they're looking for basic adult education? Are there trade schools um, that need yeah. basic teaching? Because, see, you're qualified. You've got degrees. Yeah. You've got experience. Your narrative needs to be not that life is out to get me and December sucks every year. If that's true, that's been true for you, but I don't believe that every December is going to suck for you. And I think that <laughs> it won't, but you're going to have to decide on that. You get to decide. You know, yeah. it's I don't know if you heard today's opening teaching about how to not let a bad day turn into a bad week and a bad month and a yeah, bad year. Yeah, I got the end of it. Can I, I just tell you, really good. today's teaching yeah. was for you. And Aww, so when your you. mom died, that's a bad day. That's a bad really guy. bad day. It's the, uh, it's the it doesn't get any worse than that. All right. No. But what happened no. is you allowed that bad day to turn into a bad week, a bad month, 
and I would dare say a bad year. And I'm not blaming you. I'm putting my arm around you to say you have to decide going forward that you're not going to let every December come around and the ghost of being laid off two years in a row is hanging on you (laughs) like a heavy coat. And we got to take that coat off. So what I'm telling you is you're starting to ideate. Where can I teach adults or older students who actually want to be in the room? And I gave you a couple of ideas. You're highly qualified. I've been thinking that a little bit, so that's awesome to hear from you. I think you have to be, you have such a warm, kind soul. You need to be teaching, guiding, encouraging, instructing people, but people that actually want to be there and are really grateful that you're there holding their hand, you know? I like this idea. I feel... Okay, I feel a little bit of a joy coming on. So that's that's what we want at Christmas time. Joy to the world. One of my favorite lines <laughs> from Four Christmases. Joy to the world. That's good stuff. Hey, Kristen, it's going to be a better Christmas, I promise. It's going to be a better year in 2024. Thank you for trusting me today. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.